Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2184. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in, well, I'm actually a little south of Gig Harbor, Tigard, Oregon, which is just a little south of Portland, so maybe a three-hour drive from where I live with a very special guest by the name of Ross Fruin. Ross, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Uh, I am. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's a pleasure. You're welcome. We're going to have some fun. Now, this is going to be a very different show because the career you have and the industry in the automotive world you have is unlike any other guest who's been on the show. So you're kind of a first in this arena, which I think is pretty exciting. But before we get into that, would you share one little thing that maybe most people don't know about Ross Fruin? I will. And I'm not I'm not proud to say it out loud, but I'm a Taylor Swift fan. Well, that's okay. You know what? I saw her. Yeah, great, great musician. uh, Yeah. I saw her live at at, at the F1 race in 2016. And uh, me and my buddies kind of went as as a bit of a joke because we had free tickets because you were there. And I just got hooked. (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting when you see artists live, sometimes they either really disappoint you or they really impress you. And way back when my daughter was in junior high, a couple of us dads drove our daughters and their friends all the way out east to a place called The Gorge, which is about a, I don't know, four-hour drive. It's a long way out there. And we got to see Britney Spears. And all of us dads were kind of like, Britney Spears, (laughs) this is going to be a scream fest of little girls going nuts. And I tell you, uh, I got a lot of respect for that young woman at that point in time in her career because... I couldn't believe the kind of performance she put on. Yeah. And I kind of went home going, oh, I kind of like Britney Spears. You know, she's she's very <laughs> talented. It was just an incredible show. And uh, yeah, so it changed my whole perspective on her. Now, since then, her career's had a lot of ups and downs and sideways yeah, moves. Yeah, a rough one. Yeah, you know, tough, tough life. But uh, still, when you think about what she's done with her life, uh, Taylor Swift included, and so many, I mean, talk about picking a tough career path. Holy cow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, constantly under the spotlight. But it's a lot like F1. It's a lot like racing. It's a lot like any sport. Uh, There are very few people at the top of their game. So we're going to have a little fun talking about that. So let me give you a proper introduction. We're going to dive into a very interesting world you created for yourself. Ross Bruin is the co-founder and CEO of Grid Rival, the best motorsports app that allows fans to engage with their favorite sports in an innovative way. A grid rival, the focus on creating an authentic experience rich with real-time cash-based fantasy games, industry-leading content, and a community of like-minded race fans. Previously, Ross co-founded SearchLogic, a portion, portion, <laughs> Porsche, I want to say Porsche, a Portland-based <laughs> digital media buying firm, having held a CEO position there for three years, and together with a talented team, they grew it into a multi-million dollar organization in the digital media buying space, serving a variety of leading brands. We'll be back in just a moment to learn a lot more about this and what Ross and his team is doing. But first, a word from our sponsors. So, you know what? Give them a little love. They put the fuel in the tanks here and we'll be right back. 
Autumn has arrived, the weather is changing, and that means your vehicle needs extra protection against everything that Mother Nature can drop. Covercraft offers you a multitude of layers and protection for your special rides. Are you putting your summer toys, watercraft, RV, motorcycles, trailers, even your patio furniture away? Well, Covercraft has a custom fit cover just for you. Covercraft offers you 10 different car cover options, that's right, 10 for your vehicle's protection, whether you store it inside or out. All carefully crafted into the form and fit with the quality and attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. And don't forget, their custom fit seat covers, pet pads, yeah, Fido's gonna get wet and muddy, dash mats, sunscreens, and custom fit floor mats and trunk mats are available at Covercraft.com. Whatever the surface you want to protect, Covercraft has a solution just for you. And if you use the code YA21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Simply use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Come on, Mother Nature, bring it on. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Fall is here, and you know what that means. Time to put a good coat of protection on your vehicle. I'm teamed up with AutoGeek, and they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, and expert knowledge for more than 20 years. What started back in 1997 as a small mail-order catalog company grew into a multi-website-based e-commerce store, and that's what they are today. With a large online presence on its own website featuring close to 100 different brands, AutoGeek has grown to be the largest car care retailer in the country. AutoGeek's wholesale program serves accounts in over 30 countries, and its retail sector ships worldwide. If you want to protect your vehicle this fall, and you should, go to AutoGeek.net for the best product selection on the internet today and technical support. AutoGeek.net is where I go for my detailing needs. That's AutoGeek.net. When it was time to renew my collector car policy, my carrier raised my rates by a lot. But why? My usage was the same, my car's value was the same, and I had never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. The only change was their rate, and they had no reason why. What's with that? I researched my options. I spoke to others. What a difference. A live person actually answers the phone. She spent time learning about me and provided a reasonable quote. Why wait until your next premium is due? Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote. Call 866-AC1-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. So, Ross, we are back. So you're going to have to kind of walk me through as a newbie here because this world of what you created is something that I'm not very familiar with. And I would assume there's probably a few people listening today that maybe don't quite understand it. But before we get into Grid Rival, I want to talk a little bit about your career up to this point because you're still a pretty young guy, Mm -hmm. but you've created companies, you've got teams, you guys are doing some very innovative things online. So kind of walk me through this career path you've had and then we'll dive into Grid Rival. Uh, Yeah, thanks. Um, So kind of have always been a bit of an entrepreneur. When I was 20, I was in, you know, if I wasn't doing something on my own, I was selling things. I sold cars. I sold did in-home sales, um, like home improvement sales for a while in my, in my very early twenties. And then 
my first kind of career job was in the uh, mortgage industry. I did that for five years from about 2007 um, on. Oh, tough time to be <laughs> selling very, mortgages. Very, oh my gosh. very difficult time. Yeah. Very difficult time. I learned, learned a lot about, um, you know, just myself and, and managing myself and happened to, towards the very end of that, really started to get into the advertising and marketing side of it and, you know, driving my own leads through using the internet. Those are kind of the early-ish days of, you know, when Google AdWords was starting to explode. Facebook had just started, you know, allowing advertisers at scale. And so I really started to get excited about that piece. And um, that was kind of coincided with a waning interest for for the space. And so... Um, I took the expertise and went out and started a digital advertising agency and just started offering um, kind of consulting, which is how most agencies and service-based businesses start to begin with, is kind of one person's expertise, and then they get busy and they have to scale. And that's really ultimately what happened. And then so seven years later, that was, as you had said, it, kind of a multi-million dollar agency. We had about 25 employees. We were managing 30 to $40 million a year on advertising spend on Facebook, Instagram, Google, being Yahoo, all the major search engines. Um, and we'll get into GridRival in a moment, but GridRival actually started as a, as a side project when when I was running SearchLogic. So kind of in one way, shape or form, I've always really been kind of focused on doing my own thing, either, you know, building companies or um, books of business in the case of the mortgage industry um, on my own. Well, you know, I, anybody who survived the mortgage industry starting in 07 and, and lasting yeah. for five <laughs> so, years. Oh, my gosh. Talk about trial by fire. That's like throwing you in a yes. pit of alligators that's on fire and saying, good luck, dude, uh, because that was a very, very challenging time. Uh, so my hat's off to you for, for even sticking with it uh, at that yeah, point. I appreciate time. that. Yeah, that was tough. But, you know, one of the weird things for me, I, I grew up in the advertising world, worked in creative was a creative director and became an, an ad executive, if you will, right out of oh, college, cool. um, asking my boss, how can I make more money than sitting here and designing stuff? <laughs> he said, well, go out and bring some business in and uh, learned how to do that. But of course, this was way back before the internet. And then helping build a business that was all about marketing and selling products. Boy, you know, about 10 years ago or so, maybe a little even before that, things started to change and this online stuff came along and everybody was trying to figure it all out. So it sounds like you're the kind of guy that takes a step back, looks at everything, goes, okay, let's try this, 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 and see how it works. And my, the world has changed a lot. So you've kind of been in this really dynamic time period as a young person. And I'll keep calling you young because that's just because you're younger than me. <laughs> Most yeah. people are. Uh, but uh, it, it's a very interesting time. And for me, Becoming a podcaster and learning about this digital world, I learned something every day. So I'm very excited to learn about Grid Rival and what you're doing there. So kind of walk us through the concept of what this is, why people do it, how people get involved, what it's all about. Yeah, so Grid Rival started as a fantasy sports platform for Formula One. And so for you or for any listener that doesn't know or are familiar with what fantasy sports is, very popular in football and, and you know, most traditional sports. Uh, March Madness is kind of another example of fantasy sports. Um, but essentially, fantasy sports are where you, you, you're picking a um, lineup of real athletes and you earn points based off of their performance in, in, in real world scenarios, right? And um, there's this element of camaraderie and competition. You're playing with friends, you're in leagues, you're engaged through the whole season. You know, people in that follow the NFL have been doing fantasy sports for literally before I was born, since the 60s and 70s, before the internet existed. And and so it's become 
you know, in, in, in NFL, it's, it's so deeply ingrained with the sport that there's, you know, when you watch broadcast television and you're watching NFL, they're talking about fantasy statistics. It's that there's that much depth. And so as a motorsports fan, um, one of the things that I find fairly common amongst motorsports fans is that a lot of them are, are usually not traditional sports fans um, or, or, or their interest in traditional sports is limited. And so that's kind of how I was growing up. And I always saw my friends participating in fantasy sports for football or basketball or whatever it might be, and kind of was just like always jealous of the engagement that it created. And so the tipping point for me was actually the same year at F1 when I when I started to like Taylor Swift <laughs> in 2016. We had stayed we had stayed in an RV that year um, out there at Circuit of the Americas, and Thursday before the race, I was inside our RV. And I could um, I could hear my friend who was outside the RV and he was yelling. And so I went outside and I said, dude, what's going on? And um, it turns out he's watching a football game and he's at his phone in his hand. He's yelling at his phone because his fantasy <laughs> lineup was was losing. Oh, and my so gosh. I was hoping you'd say Taylor Swift was knocking on your door, but I guess yeah, not. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was the that was kind of the tipping point where I just really started to say, why does nothing like this exist for some of the sports that I love. Mm -hmm. And so that's really how it started is it really started just to kind of scratch my own itch, if you will, um, had very little business ambition for it early on. But essentially what we did is we, we built the first iteration of what is now grid drive was a season long fantasy game for, um, for formula one at the time where you pick five drivers and a constructor and you kind of manage them throughout the season. We have this salary kind of cap model where you're always having to watch, their pricing move up and down. There's tons of depth to it. And um, we launched in 2017 and we signed up about 22,000 people the first week that it was online. What? 22,000 in the first week? Wow. And so for obvious reasons, I kind of looked at that and I said, maybe this is bigger than I thought it was. You know, this is before Liberty Media had taken over Formula One and started to, to, to focus on its digitalization. And for the next year and a half, really couldn't could, couldn't do much with it. I was running another company. I was not in a position to leave and just go try something else because it was shinier. Um, but I got I got that opportunity 18 months later in late 2018 to exit the company in a way that was um, you know successful and, and check some boxes for me. And that um, exit happened to coincide with a very important moment in in the industry I'm in now in the United States, which was the repeal of something called the Professional Amateur Sports Protection Act, PASPA, in uh, May of 2018. And the repeal of PASPA is what has allowed sports betting to be kind of decriminalized at a state by state level. And it's allowed states to now allow sports betting to take place legally and um, in, in most places increasingly so online. And so as those two things happened, you know, me leaving the business, passive being repealed, I really looked at the space again. I kind of took a step back and I said, what is the opportunity with this audience in this market? And when you look at some of the major operators that are still successful in space, FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, Caesars Entertainment, some of these really big brands, um, because that law was repealed and the way it was repealed, I like to compare it to like when, when prohibition was repealed, right? All of a sudden you have an industry that was um, heavily regulated. And it, I don't want to say it became deregulated, but it became decriminalized. And overnight, the total addressable market of that space grew by maybe two magnitudes of order. And so the same thing happened in the US. And as a result of there being such a huge vacuum so fast, those major operators really, e even four years later, 
are still focused on just getting to market and really going after the traditional sports betting audience, who are people who are already betting on sports before it was, you know, maybe on black market products before it was decriminalized. And so I think there's been such a focus on that, that there really hasn't been a ton of effort put into engaging more niche audiences or more enthusiast audiences, even in traditional sports. And so we just looked at the market and we said, is the motorsports fan base, if we can make some assumptions, and the big assumptions are that we can engage them in sports betting and fantasy, you know, real money gaming to the, to the depth that traditional sports have engaged those fans. If that's something that we can do, is the market big enough to warrant venture style investment number one and venture style returns number two. We started to do a bunch of market research and we looked at, you know, the sports betting market here in the United States, um, which is one of the biggest opportunities globally right now. And but, but we also looked at other markets like um the United Kingdom, where sports betting has been legalized for a very long time and motorsports is also very, very a dense population of race fans over there. And so all these things kind of added up. And then I happened to check one really cool box that I did not expect for the next business I wanted to build, which was it happened to be aligned around one of my biggest passions in life, which is cars and motorsports. And so um, I kind of, me and my wife had this moment where I just said, you know, if I don't try this thing, I know it's high risk, right? As any tech startup is. Statistically speaking, there's a small percentage of of, of success. And so um, we kind of sat down. I said, I, I think if I don't at least try this, I'm going to regret it for as long as I live. <laughs> sure. And so, and so I went full time um, in 2019. My first investor was actually a, a previous guest of yours, Rob Ferriol, who runs team, um, team Hardpoint in the, in yeah. the IMSA WeatherTech program. Oh, right. And, um, you know, have just have been working towards it since then. And um, we're, we're literally probably a week or two. Um, the, ga- the game has been a free play game up to this point, And we are probably within a week or two of launching our first actual paid wagering product in the United States. Wow. Well, how exciting is this? You know, I tell you, your timing probably couldn't have been much better. And one of the reasons I say that is the series Drive to Survive, yeah, which I think has blown up Formula One exposure here in the United States specifically. And yep. I can give you my own example. I've always loved Formula One and followed it, trying to get my kids to, not that interested, especially my daughter, Jan. No, sorry, Dad. Why is this on? I don't want to watch it. Put the Kardashians on. And right. <laughs> well, since Drive to Survive, she is an F1 freak. And I tell you, this past weekend, we all got together, the family, and uh, she's got a little boy now, and her, her husband, who's a huge sporting maniac, just loves it, and my son and his wife. And we were driving through a, a wild animal park, and she was seeing, going, Dad, look who won the race this morning. She's talking about all the drivers. And I'm going, who are you? What? Yeah. <laughs> and so I know, it's incredible. She, it's incredible. So to get people engaged and excited about the individual uh, drivers, which is a lot of what your whole program is about, is pretty cool. So I, everything seems to be lining up very nicely. So my hat's off to you and your team, what you're doing. I want to walk through a little bit of how this helps people when they work, because this is an app that they you download onto your computer or your phone, right? Yeah. Exactly. And there's some things on your website here that you have, and I want, I'm want i going to walk you through them and have you explain a little bit about each of them and why they're important for somebody. Because my hope is that somebody out there who finds this interesting or maybe had the office pool, you know, doing the fantasy football team, but they yawn at football. It's not their thing or baseball, whatever, but they love cars going, right. now's my chance to have some fun. So one of the things you have are research tools. Tell me about that. Yeah. So one of the goals with the game was to create something that had a high level of engagement. And we also knew that 
you know, people, not only people that, that, that play fantasy sports, but I think even motorsports fans, a lot of times are very technical people. And I think that's more so true for the kind of real OG diehard F1 fans. And so we knew that we wanted to give them, you know, above and beyond the, the core mechanics of the game of kind of picking and managing these drivers of the season, we wanted to give them a lot of things that they could engage with, a lot of different touch points. And so we worked really hard at coming up with data points and tables and charts and graphs and all the things that you're probably seeing on the website, if that's what you're looking at, where they can go, you know, compare drivers side by side, and they can look at their historical fantasy data and their fantasy salaries. And, you know, there's hundreds of different data points. Um, if you're talking about all the unique ways you can slice them and compare them to be able to for the, again, for those who who are into it at this depth, um, really do the research you need to 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 build the best lineup. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Take F one. There's so many pieces to the puzzle here. And another one you have is league and global leaderboards. Tell us about those. Yep. So um, the, the the way the game is structured right now is um, if anyone's ever done fantasy you're typically placed in a league so the the whole game right now the free version is based off of the concept of playing with a group of friends and leagues you know we see the average is probably on grid draws probably eight or nine people but there's some that have i think there's one league that's like 6500 what um, 6500 oh my god yeah it's a it's a it's a group called forming latina out of um, mexico and wow. they promote a lot so anyways they have a lot of players in there but um every week uh, or every race, I should say, you're competing to earn points based off of how your team does. And then those are points accumulate throughout the season. And so you're ranked on a leaderboard amongst everybody else in your team. And then we also do like a global leaderboard, which ranks basically you against every player on the application. I think of this year, there's 74,000 or something people that built Fantasy F1 teams. And so you can actually see how you stack up against every person on the product globally. Um, and... Um, for those that are wondering, I'm currently ranked like four thousand three hundred. Okay. And I, I built the game, so it's um, pick up your you know, pick cha- up your game, it's dude. Challenging, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, you know that's what makes it fun, is and that's what all sports is about is competition. So I think it's cool. Now you have another category called simple team management. Yep. So I think that just kind of refers to the to the to the game itself. Um, we try and make it. Um, as, as your first question alluded to the charts and the graphs and the research tools, I think the flip side of that is we, we, we try and make it, um, easy for the enthusiasts who maybe don't necessarily want to get in at that level. And so the core of the game is, like I said, you pick five drivers, you manage them on contracts of anywhere from one to five races. So throughout the season, you're kind of thinking about like how long, you know, how long should you sign somebody for? And you make that decision based off of another element of our game, which is every driver has a salary associated with them. And the salary fluctuates depending on how they perform. And so a a really big part of the mechanics of the game are are trying to find drivers that are underpriced. Because what happens is, let's give an example of, well, let's just say we're talking about Formula One. Let's say you sign Pierre Gasly on a three-race contract and his salary on grid rival at the time you sign him is $14 Well, if he has three really good races and by the time you release him at 16, that $2 million kind of arbitrage gets added back to your team. And so every player on Grid Rivals starts the season with $100 million in fantasy budget. And you'll see there's actually some people on the global leaderboard right now that have 150. So over the course of the season, they've done their kind of research to see like who's underpriced and timed it right. And so... I'm not making a case for the simplicity of it, which is what you asked me about. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, those, those are those are elements that um, 
you know that that don't that aren't required to to have a good time um but i think like the, the core of the game is 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 picking and managing those teams on those contracts yeah wow a lot of moving pieces here now also uh, to make it maybe not as simple detailed performance data oh my gosh we start getting into this world there's a lot going on yeah i think that's um probably kind of goes back to the first point and um, we track a lot of different data points um have all sorts of different ways to display them to give the user you know, as much information as they can to make smart choices, which I think is going to be as as true as that is for our free play game. I think it's going to be exponentially more true once people are playing with money on the line, right? They're going to want to make sure that the the teams and the lineups they're putting together are competitive. And uh, lastly, engaging social features. This is all about social. Yep. Doing stuff with friends and, and people around the world. Yep. So our stated mission as a business is provide the world's race fans deeper engagement and community with the sports they love. And so, you know, community and content has always been something that we're chasing. And we think about it in every feature that we build, you know, how can this thing be be social? And so a small example of that, and maybe the most prominent right now is in every league, we have really nice built in chat functionality. I mean, I'd put it on par with um, a product like Discord or something where actually in your league yourself, you can swipe up and there's a chat feed. So like um, one of the things we found is that a lot of people that are in leagues together don't necessarily talk a ton about motorsports like outside of this context. And so um, it gives them a medium to, as the race is on, you know, to open and talk with their friends about what's happening and um, talk about the drama. And so it's a way for them to connect. Um, we also have a Discord um, community that's um, new and growing uh, where people can get on and share lineups and talk about strategy and stuff like that. So we're going to continue to focus heavily on how is the game not only exciting, but also how, how does it work to connect the racing community together? How fun. Very cool. We'll take a short break or pitch stop, I guess. Pitch stop is what I should say. And uh, we'll yeah. be back on the track in just a moment. So sit tight. You've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine here on Cars. Yeah, for a couple of years now. Well, they're growing. And in 2023, they're going to grow from four issues a year to six and there's an opportunity here for you to take advantage of this growth. If you go to linkagemag.com and click on the renew button, if you already subscribe, you can get a great deal. Use the code renew6 for one year and you'll get six issues for the price of four or type in renew12 for two years where you also have a great savings. Plus, they'll even throw in a free Linkage hat. How cool is that? The publisher of Linkage is Donald Osborne. He's been a guest multiple times here on Cars Yeah. He's become a good friend of mine. And I'll tell you, Linkage Magazine is one of those newer magazines that you're going to want to get. It's all about experiences, opinions, and values. It's a wonderful publication, something I look forward to getting. And now that I'm going to be getting six a year, <laughs> even more special. So go to Linkage mag.com again use the code renew6 or renew12 to get that special deal do it before december 31st 2022 so that in 2023 you'll get six issues of linkage magazine instead of four if your car started today well thank attack if that truck delivering your goods today got to your home or your business thank attack if that airplane you rode in took off and landed safely and if that boat you're riding in arrived at the dock safe and sound, that's right. Thank Attack. One thing the pandemic has taught us is that great techs keep America rolling. They are essential workers and we need them. Support career and technical education by getting involved with TechForce Foundation. It's a Cars Yeah! charity of choice. Learn more at techforce.org today. So... 
challenges. Now, anytime you're starting a new business fraught with challenges, was there any one thing, there's probably a lot of things, but any one thing that stands out as you built this whole concept or was there a big challenge or is there continues to be a big challenge that you're still facing with this? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you nailed it. Like start, startup is a constant challenge. Um, you're, you're always playing this game of like, you know, you need to survive the next nine months and, and, and then go raise money. And yeah. <laughs> it's always difficult, but um, there, there has definitely been um, one or two very, very challenging moments. And I think the biggest that comes to mind has been, you know, up until two weeks from now, when this first daily fantasy product goes live, where, you know, you'll be able to compete with real money on a week by week basis. Up until now, everything has been like we talked about the season long league model. And the challenge with that is, um, we can use football as an example, right? With season long fantasy football leagues, 90% of all people sign up before the season starts, right? It makes sense. It's a season long thing. You don't play for half a season, you play for the full season. So that's how, how that's very true for us. And that has made it um, in the past very difficult to launch because you're talking about having to spend almost all of your entire marketing budget in this very small six week window. So what happened was in 2020, we had spent about a year building the first version of the product that we were going to put in the app stores. And um, I think we all know what happened in 2020. We were, you know, at that point, we were just focused on it was only Formula One, we currently yeah. have MotoGP. And we're talking about adding NASCAR and some other sports to the product for next season. But at that time, it was a single sport. And um, I'll never forget, you know, we were ready to launch and it was Friday before the race. Um, and the Australian GP, it, Australian GP, everyone was there. It was set up, you know, they, they were ready to start practice. Yeah. Cancel the race. Yeah. Um, you now, must, now, I got to say, you are a, a, a stoic guy because to deal with your first career during the probably one of the biggest financial <laughs> meltdowns and then to start yeah. another, you, you just look in the mirror and go, what am I doing wrong? I'm trying to be a good person here. Yeah. Well, perhaps it was, um, you know, it was preparation. I think, you know, you go through enough of this and you realize that like, you know, if you if you listen to podcasts like Startup, right, and they're interviewing these people who have these really successful companies, there's always these stories. There's always these near-death experiences. I think it's just part of it. And so it doesn't make it easier, but I think it it, it helps you at least understand that, like, you're you're not alone. And but, but anyway, so so, yeah, Formula One canceled the season and there was no indication of when it was coming back, if it was going to come back. And then when it did come back, if I remember correctly, they only announced five races. And so as a season long game, you kind of got to think yourself as a player, like what's really the point at that point, you know? And so that was obviously a challenging situation in and of itself. But when, when you're a pre-revenue company that's burning cash every month, it's exponentially more challenging because you can't just, you don't get a, you don't get a redo, right? right you have to right. go raise more yeah. money. Yeah. So we had to go raise more money and um, we were fortunate to, to have had enough success and enough excitement around the product, enough excitement about the growth of the sport to to make make that possible. And you know, we relaunched it in 2021. We passed 200,000 users, and it was everything worked out. There was moments. I wouldn't actually. There's months where you know you're kind of wondering, like, are we going to make it through? I think a lot of people had that mindset back in in that period of oh time. Oh my gosh, yeah, way too many for sure. Well, yep. if you look ahead on your, your bucket list concept, and I don't want to look too far ahead because we don't want to jinx anything here. I'm sincere that you stuck with it. Uh, my hat's yeah, off yeah. to you. I mean, that's a tough deal. It's easy to give up. Uh, if you look at your bucket list, maybe the next year to two out, where do you see your business? 
Yeah, I think um, bucket list for me would be kind of getting past like Series B stage, which is a really large inflection point for a lot of technology startups. There's a lot of drop off at that stage. Um, it's a growth stage, so I think it's you know an indicator um, that the business would be having a very successful product market fit. And then you know I think ultimately the dream for me would be just to keep to keep growing. And um, I think the business growing will help me grow and develop personally. I think that's one of the reasons why I started in the first place was, you know, I wanted I wanted a new and different challenge. And so, you know, what the business is going to require from me 24 months from now is very different than what it's going to require from me now, and probably very different than, than anything I've ever experienced in the past. And so um, I think the the opportunity and ability to get to that stage is, is a big thing for me, um, and something that I hope to be able to say that um, I accomplished. Well, bravo again. Now let's add another complexity to this: the ability yep. to use Bitcoin or yeah. cryptocurrency. Yeah. Is that going to be an option? Uh, it might be. I think like we'll have to assess that based off of you know how much influence we think it's going to have on 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 ease of use. Um, I think I think cryptocurrency is not quite there yet. You know, if you look at if you look at people's relationship with it, it's more it's more investment still than it is transaction. And so for us. I, I don't think it's like it's certainly not the low hanging fruit that we have in front of us um, uh, at our transaction volumes. You know, maybe someday we could. But I think my, my gut instinct, too, is with this is for, for obvious reasons, a heavily regulated space. And so um, you're, you're essentially throwing on another heavily regulated space on top of it. So <laughs> right, right. I, I, the, the answer is probably at some point. But I'd be surprised, you know, if you can deposit money on grid rival and Bitcoin anytime in the next you know 12 to 18 months. Yeah, it's uh, it's an odd odd world right now, <laughs> economic yeah. world for sure. So let's talk about something fun. Now you mentioned at the very beginning of this year an F one fan, you're a car guy, and we're on cars, yeah. So is there a special vehicle story in your life you could share? Hmm. I don't know about story, but I definitely there's definitely a special vehicle, which was my my first car that I ever bought was a 1987 325 IS E30 BMW. I was I was really into BMWs and um, put a lot of work into that. And, um, you know, really I had it dialed in and I drove that car for, I think three or four years. It had a, it had a rough ending, our relationship. Uh oh. <laughs> There's where the yeah. story comes um, in. Yeah, right? I know, right? <laughs> now that not, you've teased not, us. Not building a good case for, for you hopping in my car. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was probably the first car I really was excited about it, you know, and I had a lot of time to spend on it and, um, it just was kind of connected to it. I don't have any good stories, but um, yeah, I think got a lot of memories from that vehicle. E30s, uh, there's a whole group of followers these days that follow those cars. There's a whole group up here in the Northwest that races them, um, yeah. which is pretty cool. I worked with a guy for years named Tim that had one that had, I think it had 350, 450,000, I mean, huge amount of miles. Now, he was a very good mechanic, and he just kept that thing going and going and going. It was quite amazing. And I may be even way short following that. He, if he's listening, sorry, Tim. You'll probably call yeah. me right right now and go, Mark, it was 795,000 miles. Or yeah. I mean, it was amazing. So uh, great little cars. So I'm going to be your car psychologist here a little bit, Ross. I'm going to crawl into your skull here. If you yeah. were reincarnated, manifest as a vehicle what would you be and why i i i saw this i i think um i think i would be a funny car uh, oh like a dragster funny car yeah oh, um okay why is that and i i i came to this conclusion because uh, my personality is very much kind of oftentimes 
uh, ready, fire, aim. I, I'm really quick <laughs> out the gate. I, I attack things quickly. And that's my skill is like if I'm focused me on one or two key things, I move really quickly and get them done. At the same time, I'm kind of like a little bit of a goofball and sarcasm <laughs> is my second language. Okay. So I kind of feel like those two things paired together yeah. would like, you know, really fit because funny cars are funny looking. Yeah, they're, they're great. Built a lot of funny car models when I was a kid. I love those things. So, uh, yeah. yeah, and I, yeah. I did have uh, a guy named Prudhomme on my show here last year. No, it was actually this year, I believe, um, who uh, raced some of the Hot Wheels funny cars, um, you know, sponsored by them back in the day. And uh, I thought, man, I'm getting to talk to Don Prudhomme. I used to build models that this guy raced in when I was a little a little kid. This guy's a legend. Yeah. So. Yeah, That's amazing. Very cool. So how about great reading? We love books here. This could be books on any subject. Uh, is there a book you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I was going to say one of my favorite uh, books is, speaking of stoicism, which you brought up, um, is a book called Ego's the Enemy mm, yeah. by uh, one of my favorite authors, Ryan Holiday, who's kind of a modern stoic philosopher. He really studies a lot of you know Aristotle and um, Marcus Aurelius and all these guys. And uh, it was just a, it was a book that kind of, opened my eyes and, um, you know, exposed me to a line of thinking around how we assess ourselves, you know, that, uh, was needed at the time in, in my life when I read it, which is about, I don't know, at this point, three or four years ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've loved everything that he's put out, but that was, that was a, a really, and I, I have a long list of book recommendations, but, um, that's usually high up on him. I think it's just a, a really good dive into ego and how it affects people and, um, how, how it can, negatively affect people's decision pathways. Oh, gosh, yeah, can destroy people. Yeah, I love that. There's some even some great uh, websites and uh, podcasts out there about uh, Marcus Aurelius and Stoicism. I love that. Oh, I'm sure. The, yeah. whole, the whole concept of the whole thing is uh, a good check on one's ego, as they say. Yep. So, I love it. Ab absolutely. So today I'm going to be the great benefactor, although I'm not going to fund your business. I'm going to fund your fun. I'm going to enable you to go on the ultimate drive. So I'm going to park anything you'd like in the garage or the driveway. You can take anybody with you, even somebody from the past who's no longer with us, which opens the door wide, and you can go anywhere you'd like. So uh, what does this ultimate drive look like for you, Ross? So let's start with the car. Okay. The, the car is a Ferrari F50. Nice. Uh, one of my favorite vehicles growing up. I think if somebody said... Any budget, what car do you want? That would be that would be the one thing <laughs> nice I'd choice. in the garage. <laughs> nice choice. Um, so the who was difficult, and I had to narrow this down. I didn't have a lot of time, and I think um, if this was a real thing, you know, I'd have all sorts of spreadsheets to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> important decision. You don't overthink so, it. Don't overthink. I, we'll just say just for today. <laughs> well, just for so I narrowed. I, I I gave myself some parameters which were living right because I narrowed it down, and then kind of related to the thing we're talking about today, cars, motorsports. So I, I put Toto Wolf. Okay, nice. Yeah. Yeah. He is super impressive to me. Um, when I watch drive to survive, I think he's a genius. Um, I would love to just, and I would, I think her question would, who'd be driving? And I think I'd let him drive. Um, but I'd love to just kind of hear his life story from his point of view and, and, um, you know, how he got to, to where he is and his views on motivation and uh, management and leadership. I just think from an outward perspective, uh, he's got a level head and um, he's a genius. Yeah. You know, uh, Torger Christian Toto Wolf, uh, yeah. Austrian billionaire motorsports executive. That show painted 
it gave me a whole different perspective on that guy that I never had. And, and I think it did yep. that for a lot of the, the people other than the drivers that um, really real. opened up, you know, opened up F1 and the intriguing, interesting people. We've all heard about these team owners that are flamboyant, crazy and wild and do crazy stuff. And yeah, but he's interesting. Yeah. What fun. That's a nice choice. I don't think anyone no, picked, picked him either. I think that's pretty cool. And an F50, you're not going to hear anything he says, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to drive one of those F50s once, and it was very interesting because everyone said, okay, this is basically an F1 car with a body on it. You can kind of toot around in that thing and have some fun, but when you put your foot into it, it turns into a monster, just a monster. Just, yeah. I bet. Well, yeah. I'm very jealous. Insane. Hopefully I get a chance someday. Yeah, well, I, I think you just might. I think you just might. So you've taken us on a wonderful ride today, Ross. I, I knew this would be a very interesting show and a different kind of show, and I, I love what you're doing not only for – the world of fun for people, but opening up a whole new door for people that maybe like me wouldn't get involved in fantasy leagues, but will with this one. So uh, thank you for doing that. Before I let you go, could you share maybe some words of inspiration, a success quote or a mantra? Yeah, I'll tell you one of the things that I tell my daughters every night that I've learned, which is, and it seems to sound counterintuitive, um, talking about motorsports doesn't apply to that situation, okay. <laughs> but it's, I, I would say you have to slow down to go fast. And um, my my personality, like we talked about earlier, is a funny car. Um, you know, one of the things I've had to learn over time is sometimes you just got to be patient. You got to let things happen. And when you try and rush, you do it wrong. You have to redo it. It takes longer. Um, and so that's been a, a big lesson for me. I don't know that it will apply to everybody, but um, it's been, been something that uh, had I learned, you know, in my early twenties, I think, um, things may, may have ended up differently, but, um, you know, it's been, it's been something that I have been intent on trying to not pass down and, um, continue to work on it myself. Uh, nice fathering there you're doing for your daughters. I think that's cool. And when I went to racing school, I remember a day specifically where I was starting to feel like, okay, I can go a little quicker here. And I remember the guy in my ear saying, you need to slow, go slow down. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what? No, this is all about going fast. No, you need to slow down. Here's why. And explained it. And okay, kind of makes sense uh, before you go fast. So yeah, great uh, advice there. How can people learn more about, download, and get involved with Grid Rival? Yeah, so you can find us in the App Store on uh, Android or Apple. Just type in Grid Rival, one word. Um, and uh, you can also check us out on gridrival.com or any of the main social media tr channels, um, Twitter, Instagram. And uh, you can reach me if you'd like to, uh, Ross at GridRival.com, if you have the Ferrari F50 that uh, <laughs> you'd like me to, to have a ride in. <laughs> I know a few guys up here might be able to do that for you, so uh, I'll give them some Good. calls. You, you know, one thing we didn't mention, we've been talking about F1, but you're also into MotoGP? Uh, I'm I'm increasingly so. I'd say I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, traditional sports fans are very similar. Like you, you talked to a lot of NFL fans, right? They like basketball, but they maybe are still the most hardcore about NFL. I'm very similar. I'm, I'm probably the most, you know, my, my knowledge base is mostly in de um, most deep around Formula One, but um, I, I kind of love all motorsports. I'm getting motor, more and more into MotoGP as we've added it to the product. Um, I'm also, for the first time, getting a lot more into NASCAR, yeah, yeah. which um, is something historically that I just has not... Um, hooked me but recently has really started to intrigue me a lot more and um, will actually be the next sport on our platform but um yeah i am i'm 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 an indycar i've always been super an indycar went all, all the indycar races growing up here at uh, pir in portland so yeah 
Well, yep. I hope that the Drive to Survive uh, documentary series producers get into those other platforms because I think they'll blow those up too. Yeah, I agree. You know, and you think about NASCAR. Talk about characters. Oh my gosh. Well, it's there's there's rumors that that's already taking place. I don't I don't know if it's Netflix that's doing it, but um, uh, yeah, there's I, I I know there's some talks about a NASCAR type show and uh, one with maybe IMSA as well. Which I think I think I think IMSA would actually be really fascinating because you have the mix of you know pros and amateurs and different classes and stuff like that. Yeah, I hope they do. I think it'll be great. Hey, I want to do a shout out. Thank you to our mutual friend Andy Santiago at Legendary Podcast for introducing me to Ross. Andy, thank you for setting this all up. Ross, hey, uh, congratulations! Thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and sharing. Grid Rival with us sounds like a wonderful, fun platform for the Cars Yeah listeners to learn more about and get involved until you and I talk again. I'll see you down the road. All right. Thanks so much, Mark. It was a pleasure. You're welcome. This was fun. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!